0: all right all right good morning man that was some excellent excellent worship this morning it's so good to worship together amen amen well this morning i i i am hoping you have your bibles uh, with you Uh, uh we are going to begin back into exodus right no surprise there we are Moving forward, we've covered the what 12, I think, chapters now because we're into 13 and I'm going to flirt a little bit with 14. We will start a little bit with 12, but really this is going to cover more of 13 and 14. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 12 real quick. Well, uh you know kind of where we left off and this is kind of where it's coming uh, Pharaoh, you know, he is he's grieved and 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 in pressure from all of his people over the death of all the firstborns, right? He finally relents, he lets Moses and the children of Israel go. And this is where we left off, right? We we had to push pause here to discuss the Passover and 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 all the symbolism that it comes with, how you know, monumental this tradition would be in setting up the prophetic idea of who and what Christ really is, right? Um, Exodus 12, verse 14 through through 16, right? I'm out of the ESV this morning. You can read it out of the New Living, whatever you want on that end. Uh, verses 14 and 16, Exodus 12 says, In days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand that's where we're going to begin and and before i go any before i go any further let's let's just pray real quick so that we have the right frame of mind so that we are spiritually saturated this morning to hear what god is trying to tell us father we uh, just look to you to bring understanding and wisdom god there is a Wisdom that comes from our humanity, God, it is insufficient, God. We want that which comes directly from you. We realize and submit, Lord, that our wisdom is foolishness before you, God. Lord, so empty us, make us vessels that can be used, pour into us, God, and grow us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. This this tradition that the Lord began... Uh, would be used to help explain the prophetic stories of a coming Messiah, like like John the Baptist said, "Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world." When when John said this, well, they understood what it meant because of the traditions that were set in place to make the children of Israel remember what God had done and the and the cost of what brings about redemption, but. But we're not quite out of Egypt yet, are we, right? Standing between Egypt and freedom are two routes. Now, neither of these two routes offer any comfort or or ease, right? If Israel goes one way, they face war with the Philistines. And if they go another way, they face a large body of water, the Red Sea, right? They're backed up into it. They're going to face ultimately the, the possibility of facing the Egyptians, right? This is where we're going to pick up the scriptures uh, a little more. Exodus 12, Go look at verse 17 real quick. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, which w- that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up, Out of Egypt, ready for battle, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel day or night neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, there are some interesting things happening that the children of Israel, they're not privy to. For instance, they aren't really given the reason for why they aren't headed out the quick and more expedient way. This internal thought is given to us through the hands uh, of the writer of this book right which we believe to be Moses himself apparently God thought that going into war this soon after being delivered was a bit more than they could bear Israel has been pretty wishy-washy already right so going they've been you know kind of going back and forth on bringing free or, or staying alive it's just it's just how we're wired sometimes right you know right now at the at the park um, we're going through how we do some things we're looking into our systems and our processes we're always reevaluating things in the effort to see what we can we can do better we recently did a deal that's going to streamline how we purchase a particular item it's going to save us a significant amount of money to do so the only reason we hadn't done it up till now is because it was easier just to do what we'd always been doing rather than making you know a change and there it is right the old saying we never We never change unless the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So the children of Israel, they're human beings, right? Change is hard. Freedom sounds wonderful, but it also presents some challenges. Who's going to look after them, right? For food and and for water. Who's going to protect them? How how's this leadership thing going to work? Who who really is in charge? How how hard is this going to be on on my kids, on on my family? Are they are they going to have a future? What what does that future look like, right? How hard or you know or comfortable is this going to be? And and I think all of those are valid questions. Ones that will have a person questioning just how much does freedom cost. Nevertheless, it's time to be a nation. The Lord is on the move. So if they're ready, if they aren't ready for war, then the only option is the sea. So, so here we go. Caravans of men and, and women and children. Right, wagons, horses, ox, and mules, all making their way. They even have the bones of Joseph, which somewhat, uh, you know, prove that they can keep a promise, even you know, for generational years. They all make their way to the shore's edge. Right, leading the way is the Lord by the way of a pillar of fire to give them light. Right, this allowed them to to travel not all, only during the day but also at night. We can never forget the stubbornness of man. If not for the sheer stubbornness of man, we wouldn't have this story at all, right? Have you ever been that man? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to answer that, right? Uh, have you ever seen those uh, shaped? Uh, Have you ever seen those shaped blocks, right? Some are circles, some are square. They go in the same shape holes, right? I've seen kids so frustrated and stubborn that they make square blocks fit in circle-shaped holes, right? If we do this as young toddlers, can you imagine the impact our stubborn anger has on us as an adult? I mean, seriously, we become the Stalins and Hitlers of this world, thinking ourselves to be right and angry to think anything else. Exodus 14. Verse five says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready, took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots in Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so they pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Boldly, uh, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You know, I seriously wonder about humanity at times, and even my own weakness as a human being, that we can be so pressed up against the wall and literally crumble despite everything we've witnessed in our lives. This is a great reveal, I I think, into the human psyche. From turning the staff of Moses into a snake to killing off all the firstborn in Egypt, God performed one supernatural feat after another. Apparently, they were not impressed with the pillar of fire, which isn't an analogy, by the way. It's a real-life tornado of fire that has been leading and protecting them. Despite all of these supernatural moments, they are ready to go back into the very chains that bound them, that impressed hardship upon them and that that kept them oppressed. This is what the seed of defeat culturally looks like in the heart of people. You know, we as Americans, we don't know this. And we find that hard to understand. And why? Well, because... We've had to pay the cost of blood many times for the freedom we enjoy today. And we have things like Memorial Day, Independence Day, and Veterans Day to remind us of the cost, right? There's a really good revelation here in the Scriptures concerning confidence in these types of moments. Look at 14, 13, and 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. I love this. He says, you need only to be still. So millions of cries went up in fear over Pharaoh and his army. But can I tell you, Moses wasn't one of them. Moses stood strong in the Lord. There's a confidence and hope that can only be found when you walk with The Lord, right? The more you walk with him, the more you learn to lean on him. The more you lean on him, the more confidence you have in him. I love Psalms 33 verse 20. It reads, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for your hope is in you alone. I meet, you know, I I meet too many people that walk around timid and afraid of every hardship they face because they have no relationship or real memorable knowledge of scripture. They have no foundation in which to grasp onto. They They just have no hope. Their joy is fleeting. God doesn't desire you to live this way. He he's given you Jesus Right? His son as a beacon of hope and as light in the darkness. However, God isn't going to force anything upon you. He's a gentleman, guys. He, he patiently waits for you like Pharaoh to relent. Because here's the thing. If you don't eventually relent, your stubbornness will get the best of you. Let's bring this thing to a head. Exodus 14, 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they'll go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, throw his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh's chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who'd been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that, that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through Israelites went through on the sea on dry ground with all the water on the right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. We know this story, right? During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and, the, and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord's fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may fall black over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The day That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And the Israelites saw The mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. (laughs) You know what I keep waiting for? I keep waiting for Moses to turn around and say, do you believe him now? Like, like, come on, seriously, how much does God have to do to make you believe? When God is fighting against Pharaoh and reveals himself through all signs of sorts of signs and wonders. And yet Pharaoh refuses to believe he refuses to to relent right these same miracles these of signs and wonders he also performed as an advocate to the jews and yet also in their stubbornness they refuse to believe as well here you know in this in this very act we see the grace of god god delivered a people who did not know him and let's be honest they're quite frankly they're, they're not all that appreciative you know who would have been appreciative Abraham. (laughs) Why? Well, because God not only told him this was going to happen, but God also promised him that he would save them and restore to them Abraham's children, the promise he promised his friend a long time ago. Do you remember Genesis 12 verse 2? I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on the earth will will be blessed through you. And also in Genesis 15, 13, know that for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You know what we walk away with here? We walk away knowing God is a keeper of promises, especially those to whom he calls friend. He kept his promise to Abraham to look after his kids. In church, he's still doing it today. Can I pose a thought here before I close? Just a thought. Don't t- don't take it as theology, but it's it's a thought that brings joy to my heart. You know, I, I've talked a great deal about what I call the the Jonathan blessing, the ability to bless someone so greatly that they would desire to bless your generations to come. What if what happened between? What if that is what happened between Abraham and the Lord? The friendship of Abraham so blessed God that God decided to bless him forever and ever and to the end of the world and to the filling with heaven, all that are of that seed, whether by bloodline or by the grafting into the bloodline, which is to say in the spirit. Could it be that when we say bless God, we actually mean that we can bless God and not just in thanks, but in friendship and relationship. Here's a great example found in Abraham and now Moses, that our ability to bless God is found in our commitment to a relationship with him. Abraham was the friend of God. Moses was the friend of God. And my heart's prayer for you this morning, let it be said of us and in our lives that we are the friend of God. Let's pray father we just we thank you lord we desire to know you and be your friend and may we bring others of your friends lord and back into your family and back into heaven god and lord send us out that we may show others your greatness your goodness your glory god lord we just want to be a friend of yours in jesus name amen